Wednesday. We are midway through the week and have amazing dad and amazing Blue Jay starting pitcher Chris Bassett, the hound on the mound tonight, and we'll preview that game in the first segment. Then as yesterday was game number 62 for the season for the Blue Jays, today game number 63 on the season for the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll have some fun with those numbers and look at their significance in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history. You are locked on Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays. Want to shout out, want to start the show by shouting out some new YouTube subscribers to the Locked On Blue Jay YouTube page, uh, Draco Diggory and Connie Pohl. Thank you for hitting that subscribe. If you're taking this in today on the Locked On Blue Jays YouTube channel, please do hit that like, that comment, that subscribe. You know the drill. Help grow the Locked On Podcast. Sorry, the Locked On Blue Jay Podcast. And I see some comments uh, uh, happening regularly from people like GEZ, uh, Mr. Watch This 2000, Oscar Cantor. Want to thank, want to thank all of you for that as well. Please, absolutely hit that like, hit that subscribe, but very much so. Drop those comments. I want to be able to interact with you guys as we navigate our way through what we hope is going to be a great 2023. Right? I know. I mean, we're fresh off the news of, of Alec Manoa being sent all the way down to instructionally great, like all the way down the floor, like just absolutely incredible. So a lot of things aren't going the way that that we thought, certainly maybe I'll just speak for myself, certainly a lot of things not going the way that I thought they were going to go for the 2023 Toronto Blue Jays. I was on the Rod Peterson show the other day and he asked me if, if I, I still believe the Blue Jays will make the playoffs. One trillion percent believe that this is a playoff team any way you slice it, especially with that third wild card spot. Now, is there work to do? If we're having an open, honest conversation, yeah, there's work to do. We know that, right? We, we know that there's work to do. Yes, absolutely correct. Yes. Now, for everydayers making the Locked On Blue Jays your first podcast listen of the day, I want to thank you for that. Hit that five-star review, please, and thank you as well. And the Locked On Blue Jay Twitter, now over a 1,000 people. So to our new joiners on the Locked On uh, the Blue Jays Twitter as well, I want to, want to welcome you. I want to thank you for that. Really want to thank you for that. I wondered if we get to a 1,000. We're over a 1,000, so much appreciated. On Twitter, you can see it here on the screen here that the handle is Locked On Jays. Of course, I wanted Locked On Blue Jays, right? Of course, I significantly prefer Locked On Blue Jays, but that Locked On Blue Jays, the amount of letters is is a little bit too much for Twitter. So Locked On Jays, it is on Twitter. It's Locked On Blue Jays everywhere else. Now, the uh, again, the dust the dust settling right from this Alec uh, Manoa story. My goodness, but now that's as bad a story we've seen in 2023 for the Toronto Blue Jays. But Chris Bassett. The hound on the mound tonight, he is as good a story as we've seen in Toronto Blue Jay land in 2023. Are you loving Chris Bassett? I am loving Chris Bassett on and off the field, by the way. First home start for the hound on the mound since May 17th. You may remember that was a, a gem against the New York Yankees where Bassett went seven innings, no runs on three hits, just one walk for someone who's, that's the only, not knock, but maybe you could say knock, that's, that's the only thing that, that Bassett's needed to work on this season is, is he has had, you know, a few, I mean, several starts, if we're being honest, with too many walks, but just one in that last start at home, May 17th against the Yankees, in, induced 11 ground balls. I mean, he just had weak contact after weak contact. He was just fooling the Yankees left, right, and center. It was great. And remember now, that seven-inning shutout was on the heels of that, what was it? Uh, was it the Friday game? The Friday, the, the previous Friday, when uh, when he had that complete game shutout against the Atlanta Braves. Do you remember that? And the his last home start, so those were his last two home starts. The home start prior to that was that Seattle game, that Sunday game. Remember the Jays were going for the sweep at home against the Mariners. Teo was back in town. But the first inning, right? Very first inning. 
the there was two out, nobody on, and Bassett threw just an absolutely gorgeous pitch that Alejandro Kirk just did a horrible job framing, and the umpire missed it and didn't give a strike three call. It led to a walk. A couple of batters got on, and it led to a grand slam. Remember that? I mean, not great, right? But my point being, after that grand slam, Bassett authored four and a third scoreless innings to, to finish that home start. So he actually comes into this start scoreless streak at home at the Rogers Center of 20 and one-thirds innings pitched. Is that good? Is that good? Rogers Center. Chris Bassett's a fly ball pitcher. Pitching at a ballpark where the fences have been moved in. Like, this could have been scary. This could have been precarious, right? But he has been absolutely awesome. I'm going to say it again. 20 and a third straight shutout innings coming into tonight's start at Rogers Center for Chris Bassett. Now, you remember his first, remember Bassett's first start of the season, that that, that Sunday game, the, the, the very first opening weekend, a Sunday at St. Louis. And oh my God, you, you remember everything he threw up there, St. Louis was all over it. They absolutely smashed him. He, he was so shook after the game was over. So he came out of that game and what the, 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 did he even make it through the first thing? Like he came out of that game early, right? And then the game ends and then you meet with the media. So several hours had passed between the game ending and him meeting with the media. And his he was still, his eyes were still as big as saucers. He was still seeing ghosts. He was so shook. He'd never been hit like that. And he said literally in his entire life, that's how Chris Bassett's tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays got started. But he's had 11 starts since then. And the ERA over those 11 starts since that St. Louis debacle, 2.42. Is that good? Is that going to work? My goodness. 70 and two-thirds innings pitched over those 11 starts. Just 43 hits allowed. Holy moly. We were saying earlier, and every day is known, when we've talked about Bassett in the past, that's the one thing, right, is the walks. Well, over his last five games, just six total walks for the Hound on the mound. And he's coming off his last start, that, that jam last Friday against the New York Mets. It's his only start of the season where he didn't walk anybody. The Hound on the mound has been awesome. Are we loving Kevin Gosman? Of course, there's a lot to like, right? That there's, I mean, Jose Barrio's having a great season, but wow, Chris Bassett, double chef's kiss, double chef's kiss for the season, for his debut season in Toronto that he's putting together. And remember, we were talking the other day about that that Astros-Blue Jays series that took place back in April. Well, I, if, I mean, if you take your mind's eye back to that series, I remember that entire series watching it and thinking that the Blue Jays were listless. There was no energy. And the Jays at that time were hot and Houston was scuffling. Blue Jays had no life. They had no energy in that Houston series. They they got smashed game one. They got smashed game three. Now, they won game two because somebody put up a gem on the mound. Yeah, the hound on the mound, right? Chris Bassett was that somebody. Six and a third innings pitched, no runs on three hits, just one walk, five strikeouts. And it was really the first time all season that he just consistently pounded the strike zone. He, I mean, almost every pitch. There was more, if I remember correctly, like literally more than two thirds of his pitches were strikes that particular night. He was just pounding the strike zone. Now, coming into tonight for Bassett, this would be his 10th night start of the season. And whatever the veteran does to get prepared for night starts, I mean, does it ever work? Previous nine night starts for Chris Bassett, he's got a 1.17 ERA. <laughs> Holy moly, 1.17. Opponents are hitting 150 at night versus Chris Bassett. Holy moly. Other side of the coin, Ronel Blanco, 18th career appearance for the 29-year-old, second ever career start. I mean, his first ever career start a few days back. Astros looking to utilize some organiz organizational depth as they've got some pitchers that are injured. Don't don't Toronto Blue Jay fans with everything happening with Manoa. Don't, don't Toronto Blue Jay fans wish that the Blue Jays could exercise some organizational depth, but that's another topic for another segment. Now, Blanco's been used just in mop-up duty this season, but he did make his first start back on June 1st, and it wasn't bad at all. Five and a third innings pitched, two runs, seven hits, 94 pitches against the uh, Angels. 
did walk three in the five and third and did, and did give up a home run. But all in all, he had to be happy with that outing. He was literally the pitcher of record and got the win as well. Last season, as a rookie, pitched to two batters in relief versus the Blue Jays, got them both to fly out. That was Springer and Kirk. Now, this is for... Uh, for Blanco, this is his fourth road appearance of the season. He's been rocked in his previous three, so some definite, some definite glass half full there for the Blue Jays. He's been really feast or famine when it comes to lefties versus righties. You, you'd think, as a righty, you'd think where I'm going with this is feast versus righties, famine versus the lefties. Other way around, lefties can't hit this guy. Lefty, he's getting a ton of strikeouts versus lefties, whereas righties are absolutely annihilating Blanco so far this season. And don't the Toronto Blue Jays have a bunch of righties that need to get going? Springer, Vlad, Chapman, although we'll see if Chapman's going to play. He's got that that that, that recent toe injury, right? Uh, Alejandro Kirk is a lot of righties that hopefully are going to get to get, get some good swings, some good at-bats tonight against Blanco. Runs that fastball up there in the mid-90s. Now, that fastball's been hit. His out pitch is, and, and strikeout pitch is his slider. So if you're the Toronto Blue Jays tonight, have to go out there looking to pick out a fastball early in the count and be prepared to jump on it, be prepared to attack it. We were talking about the left-handed dominance. Well, he throws that curve versus lefties. Doesn't throw it versus the righties. He throws it versus the lefties. And, you know, I, I really, I actually don't even think that he's had a curveball put in play yet so far this season. Reminder, you can catch tonight's Blue Jays game on SiriusXM. And coming up on Locked on Blue Jays, yesterday was game number 62 and today number game number 63 for the Blue Jays. So let's have some fun looking into those numbers, 62 and 63, in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history. At first, I wanted to mention that this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. Well, what what could the results of that be, right? Stretched thin, burnt out. Those could be results. Absolutely, yes. Now, therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills, uh, things like setting boundaries. It helps empowers you to be the best version of yourself and is not just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient. It's designed to be, to be flexible. It's designed to be suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com. Now, as I mentioned, today, game number 62 for the Toronto Blue Jays. I beg your pardon. Sorry, yesterday. Sorry, yesterday was game number 62 for the Toronto Blue Jays. Today's 63. Let's jump into some fun with number 62 in Toronto Blue Jays franchise history. First of all, one of the rare Blue Jays to wear number 62 in, in Blue Jay franchise history is Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop is still around, if you can believe that. Currently in his 12th MLB season, his first seven, of course, are with the Toronto Blue Jays. All-time Aaron Loop, 12 and 20, with a 3.47 ERA as a Blue Jay. So that win-loss record leaves a lot to be desired. But 3.47 ERA over seven seasons, that's legit. At 2013 was his best season as a Blue Jay. It was his second of his seven seasons with the Blue Jays. It's 69 and a third innings pitch that second season. That That's still a career high for him. 2.47 ERA. I mean, is that good? That's excellent. He was traded in 2018 for Jacob Wagaspak, who ironically came to the Toronto Blue Jays and wore number 62. Like, how crazy is that? How crazy is that? A number 62 traded for number 62. I don't know enough about this to, to say that this is factual, but is it, it, you know, am, am I out on a huge limb to say? That's the only time in, in certainly in Blue Jay history, but that's the only time in baseball history where number 62 has been traded for number 62, right? Wagaspak would pitch on the Big League Glove, if you remember him, in 2019 and 2020 with the Blue Jays. All told, Wagaspak would be 5-5 five and five with a 5.08 ERA as a Toronto Blue Jay. 
Now, as a rookie in 2019, he had a relief appearance where he struck out seven, and that, that was a, that's a record for Blue Jays uh, for uh, for the Toronto Blue Jay franchise for relief appearance. So, well done there, Jacob. In the 2020 Blue Jays they claimed Joel Piams. You remember that off of waivers, and to make room for Piams, they sent Wagaspak down to the minors, and he was never heard from on the minor league level again. Actually, Wagaspak currently pitching with the Oryx Buffaloes of the Nippon Professional Baseball League, that the 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 pro baseball league in Japan. Now, 62 is the franchise record for most pass balls allowed. Not in a season, of course, right? Over a career. And that was Ernie Witt. I'm actually pretty pleased that, that we're going to get to, to dive into some Ernie Witt stuff here. Because it, do we take enough time to appreciate Ernie Witt? I mean, this guy is coming up on 20 years managing Team Canada. Like, right, right out the gate, right? Like, don't, don't, don't we owe this guy thank you? Don't we owe this guy some respect and, and some flowers here? But even just as a Toronto Blue Jay, Ernie Witt was on the big league level for 15 years. Well, a dozen of those with the Toronto Blue Jays. In fact, Ernie Witt was on that 77. Ernie Witt was on the original Toronto Blue Jay team as a Toronto Blue Jay over those dozen years. 253 batting average, 327 on base percentage, 747 OPS. I mean, none of us, none none of that's that bad, right? In 1997, he was uh, inducted into the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. In the year 2009, he was inducted into into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Only All-Star game was in 1985. Now, he hit seventh for that 1985 team. Remember, the drive for 85. Everydayers will know. We, we've talked about that team a few times here. That was 1985 was the first time the Toronto Blue Jays made the playoffs. In 85, he would have 19 home runs. That tied for his career high. His best season, I think anyway, for me, was 1987. Now, remember, that was the uh, year George Bell won the MVP. Well, Bell hit fourth and put up video game numbers. Ernie Witt hit fifth and protected George Bell. Now, 1987 is when the Toronto Blue Jays authored one of the great collapses in in baseball history. And I've mentioned it a few times on our show here. I haven't been able to bring myself to do a Throwback Thursday episode on that because it's still 87, and I'm still saying it's too soon because the Blue Jays were the best team in baseball. They were going to win the World Series that season and just a monumental collapse. I mean, long story short, the, 90, uh, sorry, the 87 Blue Jays in the last seven games of the season last week needed to win one game to win the American League East and go to the playoffs. They lost all seven games. Okay. Okay, I'm going to get all upset thinking about that. Okay, let, let, yeah, let, let, let's move on there. And as and in the last week of that season, what, what really, speaking of Ernie Witt, in the last week of that 1987 season, the Blue Jays lost two of their stars. They lost their leadoff man and all-star and superstar Tony Fernandez to one of the cheapest plays you'll ever see in your life, Bill Madlock, Detroit Tigers. If you know, you know. Everydayers will know. We've, we've touched on that play before. But Ernie Witt from Detroit... He was there in a flak jacket. So Ernie Witt cracked two of his ribs in, in the last week of the season. So there's there's that number five here. There's that protection for George Bell gone. And he was coming to the ballpark wearing a flak jacket to just to hope to at least be able to pinch hit something like that. that that's the level of teammate Ernie Witt was. That's the level of competitor. You, you can see how he's a catcher and he's spending 15 seasons on the big league level. This guy's a competitor. And again, I just want to mention, I mean, legitimate tip of the cap we're coming up on 20 next year next year will be 20 years two decades of this non-canadian managing team canada thank you ernie witt so that was some fun to have with the number 62 and as tonight's game for the toronto blue jays the 2023 toronto blue jays is game number 63 let's deep dive that number in toronto blue jay history as well that's coming up in just a moment now, reminder, you can catch all the Blue Jay games on Sirius XM. And of course, I want to remind you that the Locked On Blue Jay podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So if you have other teams in other sports, you're a New Orleans Saints fan, there's a Locked On Saints, you know, Pittsburgh Penguins, you name it, right? So all kinds of things, all kinds of teams and opportunities for you to follow your team every single day on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
if you're a fan of fantasy baseball like myself, remember now Locked On Podcast Network has a Locked On Fantasy Baseball. And if you're a fan of other teams other than the Blue Jays as well, if you're a baseball fan in general, uh, Sully hosts Locked On MLB. I would definitely recommend checking that out every, every day as well. After Locked On Blue Jays, right? Still, I'm hoping that you're making the Locked On Blue Jay podcast your first podcast listen every day. But my point being that the Locked On Podcast Network has all kinds of things here for you. Again, the, the, the motto is your team every day. Now, with the improved weather, I wanted to mention that I'm absolutely thrilled that this episode brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter the promo code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. My bird dog shorts, they're stretchy shorts. They're already number one. You know what? I should say number one and number two in my rotation because I do have two pairs. I like the colors they have as well. And I just really like, honestly, they, they make my legs look good. <laughs> they're very comfortable to wear. I think they look great. You're going to appreciate their flexibility as you can wear your bird dog shorts or your bird dog pants anywhere. Golf course, then right to dinner, or you're hanging out with friends, you're going to the theater, the movies, you, you absolutely name it. You're going to be comfortable and you're going to like the way you look in the bird dog shorts or pants. So again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Now let's jump into number 63. Only one player in Toronto Blue Jay history ever to wear number 63. That was closer Kevin Gregg. Now, I say closer. Kevin Gregg was a pitcher in the major league level for 13 seasons. Six of those, he was a closer. And he was a big-time closer in the, in the 90s, if you remember him. Only spent one season with the Toronto Blue Jays, 2010, and had a career-high 37 saves during that season. I really liken this to one of my favorite stats about the Blue Jays is the fact that Jose Canseco, when you think of Jose Canseco, of course you think of a home run masher, yes, but you think of him as an Oakland A I think a lot of people would be surprised to to remember or be reminded that uh, Canseco's best season was as a Toronto Blue Jay. He was only Blue Jay for one season. It was his best season, career high in home runs. He was awesome as a Toronto Blue Jay. Now, Kevin Gregg, not the household name that, that Jose uh, Canseco is, you know, big pitcher. In the 90s, Kevin Gregg was known. He was one of the top closers, absolutely, yes. So to have spent one season with the Blue Jays, to be such a good closer and to have the career high be with the Blue Jays, pretty cool. And, and what about 37 saves? Is that significant? Well... It's the fifth best season for a closer in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history. My favorite Blue Jay closer ever was Billy Koch. He never had 37, as many as 37 saves. Love Dwayne Ward. Dwayne Ward never had as many as 37 saves. Heck, Tom Hankey never had as many as 37 saves. So Kevin Gregg, well, with that one season, and it really inspired me for, for this final uh, segment here for this topic. We're going to look at one-year closers for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, some of these guys went on, went on to spend more than one season with the Toronto Blue Jays. Remember Kevin Gregg, just a one-and-done. But the, and we're going to look at uh, uh, pitchers in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history because, believe it or not, there's a lot that the Jays have tried as a closer and then after one season completely moved on from them as, as closer. And some of them you're going to see inexplicably moved on from them. Some of these guys had great seasons as closers. Why did they never close again? I don't even know. Let's let's get into it here. Let's start in 1994. So, of course, that's on the heels of the 92 and 93 World Series champions. Now, by 94, the Blue Jays were an awful team, one of the worst uh, would be the worst team in baseball in 95. We'll get to that in a second here. But the, the deterioration was rapid, and, and it really makes me appreciate Shapiro and Atkins and what they've built here in Toronto because they've built a sustainable contender in Toronto. Yes, 92 and 93, those are the glory years. Those are all my best memories. Yes, absolutely, yes. I'm really hoping if you weren't around for those years that you're going to have some of those memories sooner rather than later with Vlad and Bo and this Blue Jays team. Is, I, I really, really hope hope that for you. Absolutely, Yes. But the, the thing about the 92 and 93 Blue Jays, it wasn't sustainable. There wasn't going to be a 94 and a 95 contention going forward like the Blue Jays are, are, are perennial contenders now. And the Blue Jays in 92 and 93, they were the top payroll 
both of those seasons. So just cutting a check season after season isn't sustainable. And by 94, the Blue Jays had really started to plummet. They went to rookie Darren Hall as their closer that season. Remember, that was a strike-shortened season, and the rookie had 17 saves that season. He would only get five saves the rest of his entire career, but 17 saves for that rookie Darren Hall. And I want to mention that there's not a lot of things on earth uh, that, that I know more about than Toronto Blue Jay baseball. I know that sounds braggy. I, I, I actually don't mean it to be braggy at all. I, I admire, you know, some people know a ton about, you know, geography, history, uh, cancer research, like important things, right? You know, I know a lot about Toronto Blue Jay. <laughs> it's, it's not great. It's not great. But just, I'm, I'm just saying that, that, that it is true. I do know a lot about Toronto Blue Jay baseball. And even I barely, barely remember Darren Hall as a rookie in 94 with those 17 saves. So if you don't remember it, man, I'm certainly not coming down on you. I get it. I barely remember it. Now that's 94. Now we go to 95. Blue Jays are officially the worst team in baseball. 389 winning percentage in 85. and uh, Sorry, 95. Holy moly, 389 winning percentage. Wow. Tony Castillo. Do you remember that veteran lefty, Tony Castillo? It's his second time around as a Toronto Blue Jay. They use him as a closer. I mean, you can see why they were such a bad team, right? Tony Castillo, 10 years of the big league level. 13 of his 22 career saves came for the 1995 Toronto Blue Jays. And unlike... A lot of these other examples we're going to see where the question is, why didn't this guy continue to be a closer? Why did the Jays move off from this guy? You could see why they would move off Tony Castillo. He, he never should have been a closer to begin with, right? There's just such a bad team. You want a closer that's going to be able to use the strikeout as a weapon. Well, Tony Castillo was at like five and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, in in uh, that 95 season, as a closer for the Blue Jays, he, had, he threw 72 innings, 38 strikeouts. <laughs> like a strikeout every second inning one, one strikeout every two innings goodness 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 you can see why the blue jays in 95 were so bad my gosh let's go to 2003 the 20 the 2003 blue jays are an 86 win team it's the sixth season in a row they finished third in the al east i mean my goodness not bad enough to get good draft picks not good enough to be in contention remember now third in the al east now in these in this day and age that plays that's a playoff team in 2003, of course, no such thing as a wild card. You won your division or you went home. So being third place annually was was not fun. The Blue Jays tried a few closers in 2003. One of them was rookie Aquilino Lopez. I hope you remember him. He, he saved 14 games for the Blue Jays that season. I mean, is that good? A rookie saving 14 games? He never had another save opportunity the rest of his career. Why? How? I don't know. I don't get it. In that same season, that was the rookie. The Blue Jays also had a veteran, Cliff Polite. Do you remember Cliff Polite? Well, Polite would save 12 games for the Blue Jays that season. In his nine-year career, he had 15 total saves, 12 that season with the Blue Jays. Despite all of that, the Blue Jays still thought they needed to, you know, needed to look for another closer because here comes 2004. The Blue Jays bring in veteran righty Miguel Batista. They signed him, I think it was three years, I want to say around 13 million. Again, I know it was 20 years ago, but star contract at this day and age, right? Contracts now are like 10, 11, 12, 13, holy moly, anyway. But the, he, he was a starter, but the, um, Miguel Batista was a starter. He'd go 10 and, and 13 for the 2004 Blue Jays. And then the Jays the next season in 2005 would make Miguel Batista their closer. He saved 31 games. The 2005 Toronto Blue Jays won 80 games. Batista saved 31. How on earth? Uh, apparently, J.P. Richardi, the general manager at the time, apparently he's not impressed with that because that offseason, they'd go out and give all a, just a huge contract to B.J. Ryan to come in and be their closer. And, and the, the Blue Jays would go on, in fact, to trade Bautista with the O-Dog, Orlando Hudson, every day, as you'll remember. We, we've talked about Orlando Hudson a few times here on the Lockdown Blue Jays podcast. They would trade Bautista and the O-Dog to Arizona for Troy Gloss. Bautista would pitch seven more seasons in, on the big league level, and he would accumulate a total 
of four more saves. Why? Why? I don't know. He's such a great year as a closer, and then everyone moves off him. I don't get it. So now you have B.J. Ryan in closing games for the Blue Jays in 06, but he would get hurt in 07, and the Blue Jays would turn to, and I think he was a rookie at the time as well, Jeremy Accardo. Now, the 2007 Blue Jays would win 83 games, and Jeremy Accardo would have 30, say, 30 saves in an 83-win team. Is that good? Is that good? He would never get another uh, – no, sorry, he would – He would. Uh, Ryan would come back. He would never get another chance with the Blue Jays. Ryan would come back, and for the rest of his career, Accardo would go on to pitch five more seasons on the big league level and would accumulate a total of just five more saves. What is it with these one-and-done closers that the Blue Jays have had that have done well? I don't get it. I lived it. I was there, and I don't get it. Let's just wrap up with the current closer, right? I want to give some CanCon love to Jordan Romano. I know a lot of Blue Jay fans, I don't know if down on Romano is the right way to put it, but I know a lot of Blue Jay fans would welcome it if there was an opportunity to upgrade the closer spot. I like Jordan Romano a lot in the closer spot. Since he became the uh, everyday closer or the, the official full-time closer for the Toronto Blue Jays, he's had 87 save opportunities. He's converted 76 of those to a nifty little 2.34 ERA. I, I like Jordan Romano. Now, that's a wrap for Wednesday's Locked On Blue Jays. Enjoy tonight's game, Blue Jays game. Of course, remember, all the Blue Jays games are available to catch on SiriusXM. And for now, keep it locked on the Locked On Podcast Network and check out Sully hosting Locked On MLB. And be sure to join me tomorrow as we get set for a really good pitching matchup as the H-O-T, the hot Jose Barrios on the mound to take on the sensationally good Framber Valdez. It's also Throwback Thursday, so we'll have a bunch of Throwback Thursday Blue Jays stories as well.